Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the words of the wisdom storehouse from the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bible, you can look on the screen or if you have your uh, Bible with you, Proverbs chapter three, verses nine through 10. Everybody say, honor the Lord, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all that everybody say all, all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I'm glad tonight that I can stand before you and tell you there is a blessing in honoring the Lord with what he has bestowed upon you. How many have ever, how many live today under under that understanding that when we honor the Lord, it's all about Him in what we, we honor the Lord in what we do. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new mind. This was written by uh, what scripture would say is the wisest man that ever lived. I think when we're listening to someone this this why it's worth paying and noting how important it is to honor the Lord. How we use our resources and our attitude toward our resources can either honor God or dishonor God. Now that one line right there, there's a lot of material we could we could deep dive into that and I feel like I need to say it again. How we everybody say use use our resources and our, everybody say attitude, attitude toward our resources can either honor God or dishonor God. We can either show God our gratitude for his great love, or we can show God our ingratitude for his life-giving love. We need to use wisdom with our resources. If we want God or we want to honor God and show God our gratitude. Proverbs gives us a keen insight into how we show our gratitude toward God through the principles of first fruits. Tonight I'm going to be talking about the stewardship of first fruits. Our text clearly states the incredible blessing of honoring God with our first fruits. You must first understand that the ancient people believed that since God had given them the best of his love, they should show their love for him by giving God the best they had. And in those ancient days, people had little money. So they traded and bartered in food. And when they made an offering to God, they usually gave food. They believed that the food offerings that truly honored God were the grains and vegetables that they picked first. These they called the first fruits. They believed if we're going to harvest this, this field or harvest this garden, the first of it belongs to God. The first fruit 
belongs to the Lord. That was, that's the whole message here is if I can put God first, he will bless everything else that comes after. It's the first fruit principle. So you may say, well, first fruit, does that, does that just involve my possessions? Does it involve monetarily? No, 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 no. I'm going to help you tonight. I believe it's important that we get it right. If we're going to talk about first fruits, we need to talk about the first fruit of the, everybody say heart. This may be one of the most important, Brother Edwin, because if I can get the first one right, Brother Chris, the next two are, it's going to be no problem. If we are to consider first fruits at all, we must consider, everybody say the heart again, the heart. At the heart of every true act of stewardship, every work of ministry, every acceptable act of worship is a heart close to God. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Jesus was directly correlating the love of the heart to the actions of the life. If I, how many remember me teaching? Input affects output. From the abundant, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If we want to see the actions of our life change, we've got to change the equation. What's happening in our heart? What's happening in our emotions? What's causing our heart to respond the way it does, therefore producing the actions that I'm having to live out each day? So if I fix the heart, I fix my actions. He further states that when the heart that loves God expresses that love, then God will take up residence in their heart. When you repent of your sins, and we, we often say what, what Jesus come into my heart. We used to, Jesus came into my heart. That comes from a surrendered and a repentant heart. When we repent and we turn from sin, it opens the doorway for God to come in. For him to take residence in our lives by the Holy Ghost. So it's so important that we get the equation right to begin with. If God demands first fruits, he must receive the first fruit of the heart first because everything else will hinge upon that. I love this illustration as Sir Walter Raleigh was about to be executed. He was asked which way he preferred to lay his head on the block. He replied, so the heart be right, it does not matter which way the head lies. If the heart's right, it don't matter if it's this way or if it's this. If your heart's right, it doesn't matter. Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give, my, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. In writing Proverbs, Solomon instructs his son... Give me your heart. In other words, give me your undivided attention. Why? Because he understood that for any instruction to take place, he had to have the attention of the heart. God desires the attention of each and every one of our hearts. If God's got the attention of the heart, it doesn't matter what he asks us to do. We're going to do it willingly. 
We're going to do it with joy. We're going to do it because we love him, because he's got the attention of my heart. He understood that, that for any instruction to take place, he had to have the attention of the heart. If we want our children to be, when our children are obedient to us, I feel like that, that we have the attention of their heart. Much like it is with the Lord. The heart is the seat of passion. If you're reading or you're, you're filling in the blank. The heart is the seat of passion. What people are passionate about, they will give their attention to. You show me what you're passionate about. It doesn't matter what hour of the day. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter how many hours of sleep you lose. It, when you're passionate about something, you'll do it. Because the heart is the seat of passion. When God has the first fruit of the heart, he has our undivided attention. God desires the first fruit of the heart. Deuteronomy 6 and 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Think about that. We can talk about strength. We can talk about might. We can talk about... We, the soul, we, we, he for, I want all thine heart. It's interesting to note that when God was commanding Israel in regard to their following him, he began with them giving him their heart. God knew that where the heart was, the life would follow. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will, there will your heart be also. You show me your treasure, Brother Jake, I'll, I'll show you your heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He understood it. If we could serve him with our whole heart, then he would become our treasure and we would stay in his presence. When we give God the first fruits of our heart, we give him control. Somebody say control of our passions and emotions. When God's got our heart, Brother Brian, he's got our emotions and he's got our passions. It's just the way it is. When God's got our heart, he's controlling this ship. The old song said, Jesus, he pilots my ship. Why? He's got my heart. When I look at emotions and passions that have no control will always lead you astray. This is where, I believe this is what the writer spends entire chapters in the book of Proverbs addressing. Solomon admonishes the reader time and again to avoid promiscuous women. The harlot, the adulteress. He spent chapters, he spent so many so many words and so much time around the warnings of all of this. Why? Because in essence, his warning is a warning to guard the emotions and the, uh, the passions that will lead you down a lonesome, dark road. By giving the first fruits of the heart to God, we are putting a guardrail in place that will bridle the emotions and passions. Somebody give me an amen about right now. By giving God the first fruits of our heart, we're putting a guardrail around our life. 
Do you realize if you would put a guardrail around your heart, you would prevent a lot of unnecessary issues in your life? Hallelujah. It's a perfect segue into the second. The first fruits of the mind. In verse 5 of Proverbs 3, immediately after the writer says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. He then says, And lean not on thine own understanding. He is instructing us to give God the first fruit of our thought processes. We're not careful in the world that we live in. We have been, over the last two years, our minds, our thoughts have been so bombarded in such negativity and, and in so many different ways of thinking that, man, our thought processes get a little wild these days. We start thinking thoughts, where'd that thought come from? We start thinking things, where, where'd that come from? I never dreamed of that. So when we give God the first fruits of our mind, we put our thought processes in another realm. In another realm. In a supernatural realm. This is what wisdom is all about. I believe this is what wisdom is all about. When we give God the first fruits of our mind. We start understanding truly what wisdom is. There are three levels of intellect. Everybody say knowledge. This is the most basic level. Which is an awareness. Of a subject matter. This is gained by just keeping your eyes open. And living life. Knowledge is important. Understanding would be step two. Understanding is a little deeper level of intellect. It is having an insight to why the subject or matter is the way it is. So we not only just have a basic awareness, we have knowledge of something. But then we step into a little deeper insight called understanding. That's gained through study and experience. Oh, but let's talk about wisdom. This is the highest level of intellect. It is the application of right thoughts, words, or actions to the subject or matter. In a spiritual sense, this level cannot be caught or taught. It becomes or comes from God alone. James 1 and 5, if any man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of Wisdom comes from the Lord that giveth to all men stingy, very stingy. No, no, that ain't what the Bible says. It, when we ask of God, when we have given God the first fruits of our mind, when we have given Him the first fruits of our heart and the first fruits of our mind, I believe that there is a progression. There is the knowledge that we, we have understand, we have knowledge. Just awareness. We have, we have understanding, which is insight. But when wisdom kicks in, that's from God that He gives you because you ask. There's very rarely a day that goes by that I don't ask. God, give me wisdom. I don't know what I'm going to face today, Brother, Brother Jones, but Lord, I want wisdom to face this day because I can't do it in just pure intellect alone. I can't do it in just knowledge alone. I can't do it in just understanding alone. I need the supernatural wisdom of God that comes from Him and Him alone. And I believe that we as a church, if we would start praying these prayers, God would give us wisdom, as many times I say, beyond our years. Wisdom beyond our years. 
Because we ask. Well, I'm scared to ask God for wisdom. He might bring troubles and trials. Well, if He brings them, He's going to give you the wisdom to navigate through them. I'd rather be... Babe Ruth, I believe, I believe it was Babe Ruth. One of them. I, I don't want the fear of striking out. Brother Weaver, keep me from playing the game. Is this mic going in and out? Fear. I don't want the fear of striking out. Keep me from playing the game. What, what, what would keep us from asking God? God, I want wisdom to handle these situations. I need wisdom to navigate. What I'm praying about this and I'm praying about that. Yes, I've studied. Yes, I've got knowledge. Yes, I've got understanding. But Lord, I need the supernatural wisdom of God because I need to know not only what's happening necessarily or what, what's going on, but, but timing is so important. The timing of God is so, timing and wisdom are, are closely connected. That's when you have, have wisdom to help you. Now's the time. Here's the place. Let's get it done. God's creating a, a culture in this church that we're, we're asking and praying bold prayers. If a man can stand on a battlefield and look toward the heavens and say, Son, stand still. And the, the Bible says the sun stood still. It was an audacious prayer. It was a prayer that had, to our knowledge, ever recorded, had never been prayed before. But because one man stepped out in wisdom, stepped out with an understanding that if God can part the Red Sea, if God can cause us to cross on dry ground, that same God, I'm wise enough to know, He can cause the sun to stop. In its rotation, stop and stand still. James 1 and 5, if any man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Whew, that just captivated me today. Stewardship involves allowing God to work in us. A.W. Tozer said, to do his gracious work. God must have the intelligent cooperation of his people. If we could think God's thoughts, we must learn to think continually of God. That's A.W. Tozer, his, his wise writings. I, I, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Our mindset affects the condition of our heart. Our mindset affects the condition of of a heart. If every day I get up and that glass is half empty, that's the mindset you're going to take through the rest of your day. You're going to think about every failure you've ever, you're going to think about wasted years, you're going to think about what you should have, could have, would have done. If you, you, will you, you will think about vain regrets of yesterday because it's a glass half empty. But if I can change the concept of our thinking, if I can change our mindset and understand it affects my heart, that glass is half full. 
I've still got life in me. I've still got breath in my body. God's not finished with me yet. There's a future that's awaiting me. There's a calling on my life. There's a soul to be reached. There's a career to, to be established in my life. There's a church to be planted that's not been planted yet. Well, I, I hadn't done all I want. No, no, no. Wake up, strap your boots on and say, you know what? My mindset is going to be changed today. I can't change what happened yesterday. I can't change what happened last year, but I can't affect what I'm going to do today. Our mindset affects the condition of our heart. Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That's who you are. How you think is how you are. Eat and drink, saith he to he, but his heart is not with thee. Whatever, whatever attitude develops in our heart, and, and life passes first through the door of the mind. I'm going to say that again. Whatever attitude develops in our heart in life passes first through the door of the mind. We must actively guard our mind and keep it pure. We got to keep that mind pure. I, I'm going to say it again. We got to keep that mind pure. Think on godly things. We guard what we watch. We guard what we listen to. We guard our conversations. We guard those things that would pollute our mind and cause us to think thoughts that, that we shouldn't be thinking as a born again Christian. 2 Corinthians gives us, this is some guard talk. This is some, some instruction for us today. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We must guard our mind. Hallelujah. When we are on guard and those negative thoughts and those negative mindsets and those things that the enemy would try to raise up in our spirit, we would cast that down and remind him, I'm a child of the king. I've been bought with his blood. I've been redeemed. My past is covered in the blood and I'm on my way to heaven and the journey's getting sweeter every day. That's the way we've got to start believing and thinking and start walking as a king's kid. We're not some second-class citizen. We're not some, some reject. No, 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 no. We've been bought with the price, and we must guard our mind and keep it pure and let the devil know I'm God's property. You lost custody when I repented of my sins. You lost your you, you lost it, son, when you when you thought you had me and I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I received the Holy Ghost. I'm not the same man I used to be. And therefore I guard my mind. Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in this mind be in you. Philippians 4 and 8 gives us strong instruction. This ought to help us tonight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Filter. Your life by Philippians 4 and 8. 
Let that be the filter of which you operate from every day. Well, I found myself that whatsoever things are true. If the devil starts telling up, I, I ain't dwelling on that. That ain't true. The devil's trying to condemn you of your past. Uh-uh, that's not true. I'm pure by the blood of the Lamb. But whatsoever things are, no, 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 I've been justified. I've been sanctified. Whatsoever things have a good, when a bad report, oh, I'm not going to dwell on that. I've got a good report. I'm speaking the goodness of the Lord. By his stripes, I'm healed. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these. If you've got any virtue and if you've got any praise, you've got a right to think on these things. And that's what I'm talking about tonight. It's giving God the first fruit of your mind. When we give God the first fruits of our mind, we are surrendering control of our thought processes. And ultimately, the future condition of our heart. I've got to... If I can get this into our church tonight and we can start living this out, our thought processes, if I can just change the way I'm thinking. No, everybody's not against you. No, everybody's not. There's more for you than against you. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. Well, I just feel like the whole world, no, 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 no. You got more. If God be for you, who can be against you? We've got to start thinking different thoughts and get different thought patterns going. Because I'm telling you, it will affect the condition of your heart. And I want the future condition of my heart better because I change the way I, th- the way I think and the thought processes that I have. Number three. 728, doing good. The first fruits of our ways. Somebody say ways. Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. The word ways simply means paths or directions. If I can give God the first fruit of my heart, the first fruit of my mind, and the first fruit of my ways, the direction I'm going will be pleasing unto the Lord. We are to acknowledge Him in whatever path we walk, in whatever direction we face. Sometimes the wind's in your face. Sometimes the wind's in your back. Sometimes you've got crosswinds. Sometimes you've got trials on every side. But you know what? If you just keep walking, you keep giving God the first fruit of your ways. You wake up in the morning, you give the God the first. Early in the morning will I seek thee. You give God the first fruit of your ways. You're going to find your direction being settled and set by Him. Not by those things that, that, that are outside of your control, but by God. I didn't say this would always be easy, especially when we consider Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Many times we begin walking a path that is not the will of God for us. This will happen throughout our life if we fail to give him the first fruit of our ways. As I preached a couple Sundays ago, the goodness of affliction. God has a way of sending affliction to our ways, to, to us, to get, get us situated, to get us back on the straight and narrow. And it's all for our good. He loves us so much, but he wants the first fruit of our ways. David Livingston told how he was chased up a small tree 
by lines. He said that the tree was so small that he could barely, he was barely out of reach of those lines. He said they would stand on their back feet and roar and shake that little tree. He could actually feel the hot breath of the lions as they sought him. And I quote, but I had a good night and I felt happier and safer in that little tree besieged by lions in the jungles of Africa in the will of God than I would have been out of the will of God in England. You see, God called him to Africa. And it did not matter what tree he was in. It did not matter what the obstacle was, what, whatever the enemy, whether it be a human or a beast. As long as he knew he was in the will of God, come hell or high water, as long as I know I'm in the will of God, he's directing my footstep. I roar, line all you want to roar. I bark all you want to bark. It does not matter. You can sleep through a storm. You can sleep while the lions are raging. As long as you know you're in the will of God. I'm right in the palm of his. If God can shut the lion's mouth for Daniel, he was in the will of God. He can do the same for you. Many times we begin to, to question God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? The, the, the great whys of our relationship and walk with God. But if we could stop with this resolve, there is peace, prosperity, and safety in being in the center of God's will and walking in His ways. Sometimes you just need that calm assurance. I feel like telling somebody this, everything's going to be all right. I don't know how and I don't know when, but you're going to be all right. You're going to come through this. Why? Because God's will is perfect in every way. You may not understand it. You may not comprehend it because his ways are not, our, his thoughts are not. Our, but if we can trust his unchanging and unseen hand. In 1 Kings chapter 2 and 4, I'll paraphrase. We find an instruction and a blessing to the house of David. If David's children would take heed to their way, to walk before God in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he will not fail to have one of his descendants perpetually on the throne of Israel. You think about that. Psalms 128.1, blessed is everyone that fears the Lord, that walks in his ways. All David's children had to do was take heed to their ways. That's why you've got to give God the first fruit of your ways. I'm going to hit us hard tonight. There's a bunch of parents in here and grandparents. You're not just living for you today. You're walking a path and you're walking a way that's going to affect generations to come after you. If we're not heeding our ways, who's going to perpetually take the role of our responsibility when we're no longer on the scene, when we're no longer coming to 1149 Main Street, when we're no longer on the scene and we're not making an influence and we're not making an impact? Who's going to fill our shoes? We must, we must understand and take responsibility to heeding to the call, to the first fruit 
of our ways. Proverbs 16 and 7, when a man's ways, when they please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace. Y'all reading that with me? When a man's way, if we don't get nothing out of this message tonight, somebody needs to hear. If I know my ways are pleasing the Lord, come what may. Hit me with your best shot, devil. The Bible says, if my ways please the Lord, he makes his enemies to be at peace. You can't raise your hand against somebody that's at peace with God and it be successful. You just got to keep your heart right. You got to keep your mind right. You got to stay in the way of the Lord. You got to stay in the ways of the Lord and let him guide it. The life of every spirit-filled believer should be dedicated to following the ways of the Lord. Our major decisions in life are spiritual decisions. That includes where we live, who we date, who we marry, what we do for a living, where we move to, how we invest, our finances, and the list could go on. But no matter how hard we try, we cannot make wise spiritual decisions Hear me from unspiritual viewpoints. You can't fight spiritual battle with carnal weapons. You can't fight spiritual battles with carnal weapons. We must understand the spiritual perspective of this thing called life. And we must understand, I can't address this in an unspiritual way. If you're making a major decision about anything, I I don't care if it's buying a car, buying a house, or getting married, you better take it to the Lord in prayer. You better say, God, give me wisdom. God, I need understanding. Lord, I need knowledge. I need to know what's good. I need your help to help me because I can't do this on my own. Whenever God does not have the first fruits of our ways, our decisions will not be according to His will or His purpose. I'd sure rather know that when I had trouble, whatever the matter may be, that I had already gone to the Lord in prayer and said, okay, God, I prayed about this, and I felt peace about this, and I I felt your will in this, and Lord, I... I'm in need of help right now. I need a little peace because I'm doing everything I can. I'm living right. I'm faithful to the house of God. I just need need a little help right now. And you know what I feel like? I know God just sweeps in with that peace. You're all right, son. You're all right, daughter. Everything's going. You're doing everything right. Don't get distracted by everything that's going on around you. Get more concerned about what's going on inside of you. Because I can control, if I can get control of this, all of this will take care of itself. All of this will take care of itself. I'll close with the last first fruit. The first fruit of our finances. Everybody say finances. God gets our heart. God gets our mind. God gets our ways. God will get our finances. God is not only concerned about our heart, our ways. He's not only concerned about those things, our thoughts, our ways. He's concerned about the first fruit of our finances. Please don't check out on me yet. It's amazing how many people tend to get possessive 
when we begin to talk about giving God the first fruits of our income. One day, James wanted to do something special with his five-year-old son, Jimmy. He asked, son, is there anything you'd like to do right now? Jimmy said, I want some McDonald's french fries. His father said, if that's what my boy wants, then that's what my boy gets. Jimmy's lips and tongue were silently moving as he could taste the fries before they even reached the store. His dad made the order, and Jimmy's heart pounded when his dad said, make it a supersized fry. James took the money out of his wallet to pay for the fries and a drink. Jimmy's little teeth were ready to sink into that hot golden fry before they made it to the table. When they sat down, grace consisted of God bless this food, amen, but it seemed like way too many words to Jimmy. He was so eager to delight himself with this huge blessing of McDonald's French fries. James was so happy to see his little boy so happy over something so simple. He decided to join in the fun. He reached over to get a couple of Jimmy's fries for himself. To his surprise, his son quickly put his arms around his fries as though building a fort. Pulled them toward himself and said, no, these are mine. His dad was in a state of shock for a moment. He could not believe what had happened. James pulled back his hand and began to reflect about his son's attitude toward the fries. Let's walk together through the things that went through his mind. He was thinking, my son failed to realize that I am the source of those fries. At the counter, I was the one who gave the cashier the money from my wallet. I did not give him the size he was expecting, but I gave him something twice as big. Yet he is here today talking about his french fries. Not only was I the source of the french fries, he had forgotten that I, a six-foot-one, 195-pound man, had the power to take all of the fries despite his little arms surrounding them as a fort. Or if I wanted to, I could go back to the counter and bring so many fries that he could never eat them all. He also does not understand that I don't need his French fries. I could go back to the counter and get as many fries as I wanted. As the dad thought about it, one or two of the fries really would not have made much of a difference for him that day. What he wanted was for his son, Jimmy, to invite him into his wonderful little world he had made possible for him by his father. He wanted his son to be willing to share the very blessing that he had provided. It wasn't about the fries. It was that a dad wanted a relationship that whatever the son had, he would be willing to share back with the father and enjoy the moment together. Scripture commands the giving of the first fruits to the Lord. It began with the Lord's command to Israel in Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. It became one of the feasts of Israel in Exodus 23, 16. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors which thou hast sown in the field. Israel responded to the command to bring the first fruits. Deuteronomy 26, 9 through 10. He, 
hath brought us into this place and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. And now I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, O Lord, hath given me. And thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. Just listen to some of these things that I'm about to read. 2 Kings 4, 42. And there came a man from Baal, Shalisha, and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and full ears of corns in the husk thereof. 2 Chronicles 31 and 5. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and of all the increase of the fields, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. Are you hearing me? The first fruit involved the tithe and the offering. Nehemiah 10, 37 and and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine, of oil, unto the priest, to the chambers of the house of God. The tithe is 10%. Somebody say 10% of our increase and is holy, holy to the Lord. Leviticus 37 and 20, 27 and 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Leviticus 27 32, and concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. To not return the tithe or to bring an offering is to rob God. I know we as a church, we teach and believe these principles, but this may be the first time that you have ever heard this principle in Scripture taught. If you will get this one principle tonight, it has the power to radically transform your life. Malachi 3 and 8, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have ye robbed me? In tithes and in offerings. It's amazing that the same people who would never dream of stealing from a friend or a family member would steal from their Lord and Savior. If you do not present the tithe and offerings, you are cursed. That's not my words. Not being hard, not being, not being judgmental, but, I, but Scripture says, Malachi 3, 9, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Notice that God says, you not only have robbed him, but you also affect the whole nation by your actions. What would happen in North America? What would happen if we all would get back to a biblical principle of returning our tithe and offering unto the storehouse, unto the house of God? You're talking about a blessing. When we do not bring our tithes and offerings, we are stealing, listen to me, we are stealing the provision for the entire church. So it is as if we are stealing from the church. I know that's harsh. I know that may seem harsh. But if we could get this one principle, if, if I'm contributing, if I'm doing my part and you're doing your part, the Bible even says 
there'll not be a need in the house. There'll not be a need if we're in gate, Lord. I can't wait to get to the house of God. You blessed me this week. I made a thousand dollars. Oh, let me get to the house of God and return my tithe and give an offering unto the Lord. Come on, somebody. There are immeasurable blessings in bringing the first fruits of our finances to the Lord. It's immeasurable. Malachi three ten and twelve. Here we go. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And you, you want to know how to do, you want to know how to rebuke the devourer over your finances. You want to know how to sew up the holes in the bottom. I can't make it from week to week, paycheck to paycheck. I don't know how to make it. Let me tell you how. When you begin to return your tithe and offerings unto the storehouse, and I, that's not me, that's not the pastor, that's not the Sunday school teacher, that's not the deacons or the elders or the board. I is the Lord. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her forth. Cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed. For ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Listen at the blessing. How many want to be blessed? How many want the blessed life? When you do what Malachi 3, 10 through 12, there is meat in the house of the Lord. He will open the windows of heaven. You will receive blessings that you cannot contain. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The fruit of your ground will be protected. The fruit of your ground will be preserved. Others will call you blessed. And you will understand that you are valuable in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. Can I get an amen about right now? I want to be blessed when we engage in the principle of giving God the first fruits of our finances. It, doesn't, it does not matter how. It's not the amount. Somebody say, it's not the amount. It's the principle of what you return. The principle, well, I only made $50 this week, Lord. Trust God, in, trust God in the five you're going to return unto him. You know, when you, I promise you that 45 with God's anointing and with God's power, he's going to stretch that. He's going to multiply that. I don't know about you, and you've heard me say it before. I'd rather walk through life with 95% being blessed by God than 100% cursed by the devil. Hallelujah. I said, I don't want my cursings. I don't want cursings on our fathers. I want the blessings of the Lord. The blessings. I don't want the curse of, I don't want God to curse my, the, the, the finances of my family. Well, I can't afford it. I'm on fixed income. I've heard that. You can't afford not to. Well, I don't make, it's not the amount, it's the principle. I know people in this church right now, God has blessed abundantly because they stepped out on faith and said, you know what, I'm going to try God. I'm going to return my tithe and my offering. I'm going to give 10% tithe and at least 10% offerings. Some of y'all don't, don't, don't run out the back door.
But you sit and you wonder, how are they blessed? How is God's favor upon them? How do they, my Lord, what are they doing? You ought to hear their testimony. I made a covenant with the Lord and I made a covenant with God. I made a covenant and said, you know what? I'm going to be a blessing to the house. I'm going to give as unto the Lord. And I'm going to watch God multiply my finances. Do I have any witnesses in this house? I believe I have some witnesses all over this house. You just took God at his word. I got, no, you don't have to do it. No. We get to do it. We get to say, you know what? I'm going to give to missions. I'm going to come over here. You know, this is an offering. This is not time. I'm going to come over here, and I've got envelopes over here still for Christmas for Christ. Missions. And I'm going to give an offering to that, to, to missions. Well, my baby needs a new baby doll. God will help you get that baby doll at Christmas time for your babies. You'd be surprised. You may get extra hours of overtime you didn't even know you were going to get because you made a, I'm going to get that $5 envelope for missions. God sees the heart. God sees the heart, Brother Dodd, and he understands. When you get engaged with the principle of first fruits of the heart, the mind, the ways, and finances, you're talking about getting a structure in your life. Oh, I'll get a structure. That I'm putting a guardrail around my finances. I'm getting a guardrail around my mind, the ways, my heart. You're going to wake up a lot happier than you used to wake up. I close with this illustration. Jack Kelly, foreign affairs editor of, for USA Today, shared this story. At a National Press Association convention. When we were in Somalia, in East Africa, during a famine, it was so bad we walked into one village and everybody was dead. There was a stench of death that got into your hair, got onto your skin, got in your clothes. You could not wash it off. We saw this little boy and he could tell, we, you could tell he had worms and was malnourished. His stomach was protruding. When a child is extremely malnourished, the hair turns a reddish color and the skin becomes crinkled as though he's 100 years old. Our photographer had a grapefruit, which he gave to the boy. The boy was so weak he didn't have the strength to hold the grapefruit. So we cut it in half and gave it to him and he picked it up. Looked at us, if to say thanks, and began to walk back towards his village. We walked behind him in a way that he couldn't see us. He entered the village there on the ground was a little boy who I thought was dead, he writes. His eyes were completely glazed over. It turned out that it was his younger brother. The older brother kneeled down next to his younger brother and bit off a piece of the grapefruit. He chewed it. Then he opened his younger brother's mouth, put the grapefruit in, and worked his brother's jaw up and down. We learned that the older brother had been doing that for his younger brother for two weeks. A couple of days later, the older brother died of malnutrition, and the younger brother lived. I remember driving home that night thinking, I wonder if this is what Jesus meant when he said, there is no greater love than to lay down our life for someone else.
Let's ask ourselves tonight a question. How are we to respond to that kind of love? There is no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. And that's exactly the kind of love that God has for you and I. The kind of love that takes food that could sustain oneself, but instead gives it to another. Jesus Christ, God manifested in flesh, freely gave up his life so we could live. He indeed gave us the first fruit of the kingdom. All he asked in return is that we too bring our first fruits. Let's stand all over this house. Lord, Lord, there's a sweet, sweet presence in this place tonight. Lord, you're not asking. You're not asking for all. You're just asking for the first. Because you understand if you get the first, you've got it all. When we give him our first, we're so willing to give everything. But if God, God's wanting us to Give the first. Because the first is a reflection of the, it's a reflection of the heart. The first is a reflection of the mind. It's a reflection of the ways. It's a, it's a reflection of our finances when we put him first. Could it be why David said early, well, I seek you. Early, first, first. Why don't we pray right now? I, I, I want to open these altars. There may be somebody that wants to come to this altar and just pray. You might want to just say, God, I, I, I'm making a fresh commitment tonight. I want to I evaluate my heart tonight. I want to evaluate my, my mind tonight. I haven't been thinking the thoughts that I need to think. I'll step down here. I'll join you, Brother Chris. The Lord's working on us. The Lord's getting ready. He, he's sending a harvest into this church. And he's wanting the body to have some first fruits. He's wanting the body to have first fruits in place. So that when guests and when new people come into this church. And they walk in and they see people engaged. And they see people. They, oh my Lord. They, they serve the Lord with joy. They truly love God. They're not doing it because they have to. They're doing it because they love the one who died for them. I choose to do what I do today. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I choose to because he's been so good to me. I want to pray over us right now. There are those praying all over this house. Father, it's in the name of Jesus. God, you're dealing with hearts all across this building. You're speaking to hearts right now. They're about to come into covenant with you. They're about to make a decision tonight. I'm ready to turn from the life I've been living. 
I'm ready to consider the ways that I've been walking. I'm I'm, I'm wanting to repent and turn from my wickedness. I'm ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. There may be somebody tonight that wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. We've got everything ready. If you want to make that decision tonight and say, Pastor, I want to go down. I want to be baptized. I have robes and towels ready. Maybe you're hungry for the gift of the Holy Ghost or a renewing of the Holy Ghost. You can step out of your seat right now and walk to this front and say, I give you my heart tonight, God. I want the first fruits to to be yours, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we close this service, I'm praying that you would minister to every heart, those that are watching on the World Wide Web tonight. I pray a ministering spirit would go into homes And, Lord, that we would do an evaluation of our own selves and that we would become stewards of our first fruits. God, I'm asking you tonight, let your spirit lead and guide us. Let us walk in the truth and the light of the day. And let us walk, God, in the path that you have prepared for us. As we seek you, we will find you. As we walk, this path. May we ask wisdom and you give it to us every day. I thank you, Lord, for all of your many blessings. I thank you, Lord, for health and strength. I thank you, Lord, for protection. I thank you, Lord, for keeping my family. Lord, I thank you for the salvation of my home, of my children. I thank you for the revival. God, you have sent this church and what you are getting ready to do. We praise and thank you in advance. We vow this night to be stewards of our first fruits. Help us this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen. Hallelujah. You have an opportunity tonight. You have an opportunity to honor God with the first fruits of your labor. And through your finances, God continues to meet the needs of this house. To the ministries and missions that we support. We say thank you. I want you to be here Sunday. You don't want to miss this Sunday. It's going to be our adult Christmas musical, and I will be preaching my Christmas message on Sunday. I've got a word from the Lord to share with you. But in that service, in that service, I'm going to share and cast some vision for the future of our church. You don't want to miss Sunday. I will cast vision for growth and expansion to provide more seating for our church and for what God's doing. You don't want to miss it. I promise you, you don't want to miss Sunday. Be here. Come expecting. The beauty of Sunday is there's only one service, 10 o'clock. Be here at 10 o'clock. There will be no Sunday school, no Sunday school classes. We're going to pack the house We're going to worship with this praise team. You're going to worship with your pastor as he preaches the word of God. We're going to watch God arise and every enemy be scattered. You don't want to miss what God's going to do Sunday. Invite a friend. We had over 200 in church on Sunday. I believe it was 216. If we counted everybody and we had a host absent, could this be the Sunday we we go over that 250 threshold? I don't know. If you invite somebody. Christy, how many are you going to have here Sunday? You're going to have about two or three rows, ain't you, ready to go? Hopefully. My God, if we could get that same spirit. Hopefully. Uh, I'm just asking for one. Who's your one?
let's fill this house overflowing because where there's vessels, the oil's going to keep flowing. The oil's going to keep pouring. We're going to pour, pour, and pour, and every vessel will be filled. God bless you in Jesus' name.